a folk song by Anna Russell. When I was one, my mommy hid my dolly in a trunk, and so it follows naturally that I am always drunk. At three, I had a feeling of ambivalence toward my brothers, and so it follows naturally I poisoned all my lovers. But I am happy now I have learned the lessons that this has taught, that everything I do that's wrong is someone else's fault. Happy New Year and welcome back to Sundry Thoughts Podcast, my Sundry listeners. And I want to let you know that if the new year is not off to your liking, if it's not as happy as you would have hoped it would be, I want to let you know that you can decide to be happy and your reset, your newness, as it were, can come whenever you decided to forget the calendar, forget the fireworks. You decide to make it a good year, a good week, a good day. And most of the time, reality will bend to what you have decided. So let's jump right into the subject based on that segue, which is taking responsibility or responsible thinking. Now, I want to let you know at the top, this this here is practical in the extreme. This is this is not at all esoteric. This is not frou-frou stuff. This is not even very philosophical. This is extremely practical When it comes to who you are, what you will be able to accomplish and where you will be able to stand based on you having it or not having it. You will not be able to do anything significant in this life if you do not take responsibility in your thinking. And I want to say in your thinking, because having a job and going to work does not make you a responsible thinker. That makes you someone who knows that they have to survive biologically. But my brothers and sisters, hear me and hear me well. Circumstances and the vicissitudes of life will dictate or rather it will determine whether you actually live. Forget about exist. It will dictate or determine whether you actually live if you do not have this. And it will be a roll of the dice because after all, Things are just happening to you. You're not you're not doing anything. It's not you're not accountable for anything. You're not holding yourself to initiate anything or to try anything. It's just, you know, whatever the dice, you know, wherever the dice land, however they land, like however my cards are dealt. And that's what we're actively trying to get away from. So let's get into reasons why this kind of thinking is important right now. The first thing I will say, and this is very important to the subject at large, is that you do not choose to either own your victories or your errors. You choose to own both or you don't own any at all. So I want to I want to say that before we get into really what we're going to be talking about, because I think a lot of people like to switch it on and off. So uh, it's the social media highlight reel thing where I just got a new job. I bought a house and oh, my goodness. And, you know, there's a little bit of God is good in there. But mostly it's like, look at my accomplishment, accomplishment. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Isn't it wonderful? But when it comes to like, you know, something you didn't do now, well, you know, life is difficult. Life is hard. You know, what I'm saying it is real out here. But there's never in a moment of introspection of what could I have done to respond better to the way life came. And you know what I realized talking to people and I, uh, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I'm, I'm the kind of person and maybe it's just the way I grew up. I cannot, I cannot abide somebody who will not take responsibility for their actions. I just can't do it because to me, it just doesn't make any sense at all. 
especially when they're doing this, when they're when they clearly know the concept of ownership, because when it comes to victories, they're saying, yeah, no, that was me. And, you know, I did that and this is how I did it. And this is the steps I made. But when it comes to errors or things that they messed up, it's just like, well, you know, life. And it's just like, well, hold up. <laughs> and maybe this is why it's it's kind of a hypocrisy in that. And most people can't abide hypocrisy. Right. It's like. You, you know, it's the same mechanism, right? Like the same mechanism which led you to create that victory for yourself or to procure that for yourself is the same mechanism that messed up the other thing and so if you cannot if you can perform a forensic investigation looking at how you achieve x but when it comes to y it's just well you know the wind blew no (laughs) no it don't work like that you can't do that don't allow yourself to do that because what you're doing is you're actually inviting room to not take responsibility. And a lot of the times you might think, well, why would I take responsibility for that? It's not going to help me in any way. But the truth is, and I say this uh, with excitement and love, you can benefit from the errors just as much as you can benefit from the victories. Let me say that again. You can benefit from the mistakes. You can benefit from the errors and the fall just as much as you can as from the victories. As a matter of fact, A lot of the times you learn more from the mistakes and errors than you do from the victories. I remember my former pastor was preaching one time and he talked about how David knew his own country. How did he learn his country so well? How was he able to write about the valley of the shadow of death and all these other? How how was he able to talk about the rocks which are higher than I? How was he able to use all of these, you know, beautiful metaphors about the land of Israel and about Mount Zion? It's because he spent so long running. He spent so much time running from Saul and he was in the wilderness. He wasn't in a palace. He wasn't chilling. You know what I'm saying? Sitting back in a beautiful camper, you know, AC running Xbox. No, like he was out in the field trying to eat, sleep and drink among the beasts and the weather and just trying to stay alive. And also stay away from Saul, who was trying to kill him. And so all that to say, if you don't own your errors, if you don't own the lowlights like you own the highlights, then you're actually doing yourself a disservice. And there's a certain plane of operation. There's a certain level of excellence where you would have had to master both elements. I mean, let's get to Avatar real quick. Master the elements, right? Uh, for those of you who don't know, check out Avatar The Last Airbender on Nickelodeon. This is not a pay promotion. It's just a wonderful show. So anyway, you got to master both those elements. There's a certain grace people have when they've been there, right? So anyway, own your errors, own the, the valley as well as the mountain. And the mountain, if it feels a lot better, it's a lot sunnier. But if you don't own both, you won't get to the perennial mountaintop where the flowers bloom and, you know, the joy resides. You've 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 get to, you've gotten to the point now where you're like, Paul, I'm, I've learned to be content in whatever state I'm in. A related point I want to make to that, my brothers and sisters, is that when you have errors, when you have mistakes, when you have falls, you want to be able to own it. Because when you own something, you now have the ability to manipulate it. Now, 
when I say manipulate, I don't mean manipulate in some like, you know, dishonest sense. I mean, in a way of handling, you can now transform it to now where it works for you. It is in your employment. I want you all to remember uh, the book, The Scarlet Letter. If you haven't read The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne, check that out. Hester Prynne wears the scarlet letter because she had an she she was an adulterer. She had sex with a married man. The married man was never identified throughout the entire book except at the end. And she is just a pariah to society at this point. She is someone in society who everyone looks at because she did this terrible thing. And the A is to constantly remind not only her but everyone else that you're an adulterer and you're a sinner and this is Puritan society. So this is the worst thing you could be. And instead of hiding, instead of committing suicide, instead of hating everyone, because how, how dare you treat me this way? She decides I'm going to wear it. And since I got to wear it, I'm aware it with pride. She becomes a, a master embroiderer. And the letter is not just a letter a, but now it's designs and she got the stitching looking right. And it comes to the point, not to ruin a book for y'all who haven't seen it, if you want to read it, just skip like 10 seconds. What happens is she now starts to make fabric for other people because they're like, oh, my goodness, that's beautiful. Can you make me a dress? What I'm speaking to my brothers and sisters is that Hester Prim was able to transform the thing that was supposed to stigmatize her. Because she owned up to what she did. And ultimately, she was free in her mind and her spirit because she did not hide from what she did, but she owned up to it. And here's where we come to responsibility. If you are not willing to take responsibility, then the minute you fall, the minute you mess up, you are allowing the devil to have your kill card because that's all he needed. Because you're now going to allow that to own you because you'll never own up to it. You'll never say, yeah, I did that. And if you can't ever say, yeah, I did that, then that means you can't ever confess. And if you can't ever confess, then how are you going to be forgiven? So that's why the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive him. He, it does not say since he know him. Nah, it don't work like that. So we got to own up and we got to be owner ship minded when it comes not to just what we've done that's good but everything that we've done everything that we've done is bad as well the next point i need to make is that passivity is wickedness now we talk about this often on this podcast about the the servants who were given talents to you know go and make more or at least that was the implication because the other servants who did do that, they knew to do that. Whereas the other one just went and buried his one talent in the ground. And when his master returned, this is a parable found in the new Testament. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, his master said, okay, where are the talents? The man who had five came back and gave him 10. The man who had two came back and gave him four. The man who was given one came back and gave him not two, but one. Everyone else doubled what they had. He did not do anything except for bury his and the master said, you slowful and wicked servant. So I want you to understand that passivity is wickedness. And I don't mean passivity as in, you know, someone approaches you and they say, would you like to go to the mall? And you're like, oh, you know, I'm amenable, whatever you want to do. I don't mean that sort of passivity. That's OK. What I'm talking about is the passivity that says when you get to the mall, you say, oh, I'm so glad that you asked me, but I wish I could have went to the movies. 
what? I <laughs> I asked you if you wanted to go to the mall and you said, no, whatever you want. Why are you complaining now? <laughs> you had the choice to say, hey, actually, the mall's a good idea, but I would rather go to the movies. So why are you complaining when you had the choice to do it? And here's what here, here's what <laughs> let me slow down because I'm already getting a little mad at this. What what happens is the passivity says, well, you brought it up. So what else could I do except say yes? You could have offered your opinion is what you could have done. And don't, don't, don't. Uh, some of y'all already saying, well, you know, well, you got to consider that. Da, da, da. You are responsible for you. Let's say let's 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 kind of take this and make it a little bit more dire. <laughs> let's go deeper. Right. Um, let's say there is you are on a strict budget and or this person that we're this this hypothetical crazy person we're talking about not really crazy but getting on my nerves crazy is on a high like a very strict budget um person says hey would you like to go to the mall and this person has a spending problem and you know they're just the mall just kind of triggers them let's say they go to the mall they say oh i would have rather went to the movies and you know I forget it. Okay, whatever. I, you could have said something, but whatever. Let's say they go and they start spending money at the mall that they don't have. And now they go home to their spouse and their spouse says, hey, how have we been doing on our budget? I've been doing well today. I messed up, you know, and, and got some lunch instead of preparing for it. But, you know, I didn't do X and I didn't do Y and I, I, I got it together. How was your day? And they say, well, you know, I went to the mall and I spent, you know, some some money on his belt the belt was $70 and, you know, I saw some shoes. I just had to have them and they were $150. But, you know, beside that, I just got some lunch as well. But, you know, it's fine because it really wasn't my fault. It was Carl's fault because he offered me to go to the mall. And, you know, I did tell him a month ago that I was trying to start budgeting. See, this is where we get to wickedness because you're taking what you should own and you're making it someone else's problem. How uncharitable is that? Number two, there is now no way forward. There is no solution to this problem because you can't control what someone else does. The next point is to point out how people who have the victim mindset are people who have the who are sans responsibility mindset, right? And so I don't want you to think of right now anyway, uh, for our purposes, I don't want you to think of victimization in the positive as in that's something that people have and they opt into and that they choose. What I want you to think about is it in the negative sense that if you do not have the positive mindset, that's automatically going to follow. So maybe I can put it simpler. If you decide that the responsibility mindset is not for you, then you are effect saying that the victim mindset is for you because there's no other, like there's no neutral plane. There's no place where you can exist, where you can neither be a victim and also not take responsibility because to not take, to not take responsibility is to be passive and be extreme and to be passive in the extreme when it comes to your thinking is to be a victim to everything and anything. If someone gives you an award, 
you're you're a recipient but you could also say you're a victim because they shoved it very aggressively toward your arms and you weren't ready (laughs) you might not say that but you could right and when you start talking about victimhood when you start talking about the concept of playing the victim me and my sister just had this conversation you will automatically fall into it if you're not willing to say how did i get here and perhaps this is the first time I've kind of flushed this out on this episode. And maybe I've been going too fast, but the responsibility mindset is not some like, again, esoteric choice of like, oh, I think I'll take responsibility. That's good. Good. Good job. Jolly. Jolly. Right. No. Responsibility is it looks a certain way. And the way it looks is. How did I do this? How did I get here? How could I have behaved so that my circumstances might be different? Instead of saying, these are my circumstances, that's a very lazy approach, slowful servant, right? It's, well, you know, you're a hard man and I didn't want to make you upset. So because you are a difficult man and because you are intimidating, I did what I did. No, you did what you did because you chose to do it. I got to take a pause on that one. You just got to pause and just. Mm. If you eat poorly because you live in a place where there are not a lot of supermarkets, let's say you live in a hood and you're surrounded by crown chickens, Popeyes, McDonald's. I've been there. I I literally still drive down those streets where that's all you see. And we can have a whole conversation on the injustice that allows for it to be whole sections of our society where there ain't a supermarket within, you know, a few miles and no one in these like communities can just easily buy a car because you know the socioeconomics just don't dictate that so we need a grocery store here but no one puts it there that's a whole we we can talk about the macro conditions we could talk about the injustice but let me just this is what we start this is this is where victimhood needs to be like we got to get rid of it do what you got to do to go get some vegetables at a grocery store. Because in some of these communities, the same people going out of their way to go to a concert. I mean, if we being honest, they going out of the way to see a girl, you know, they going out of the way to see a man, they going out of the way to do whatever. And maybe not in every single case, especially when it comes to the weak, the vulnerable, the children, but, at a certain point, you guys to stop making excuses. Now, that doesn't remove the responsibility of the government. But what I'm saying is the government ain't coming to save you. You have to do what you need to do for you because it's ultimately your responsibility. And this is where we have to. We have to realize that this, this victim victimization is no good for us. So how do we do that? Let me give you a couple a couple things. First of all, of course, we need to put on the mindset of, yo, this is, you know, this is what I need to do. But how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Number one, if you have the proclivity to think about how something has affected you, I want you as, you know, a homework assignment to turn that on its head. And I want you the minute you start thinking that the minute you start like, hunkering down and just really getting, you know, perhaps 
you know, emotional or, you know, getting, you know, waxing eloquent about how this this happened to you and how do you think about it and how you feel about it. I want you to pause mid sentence, mid thought, mid feeling and say, how can I affect this? <laughs> OK, it impacted me. Now, how can I impact it? There's a scene in the movie Transformers where <laughs> they're, they're like tussling in the bathroom. This is one of my favorite scenes in movie history because it's hilarious. But is the is the Asian guy from um, uh, uh, what's it called? The Hangover. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he a medical doctor. He also an actor. He's hilarious. He in the bathroom with Shia LaBeouf. They tussling and he started doing something low, low suspect. And he like Shia LaBeouf. He says to him, Shia LaBeouf is like, yo, I'm going to hit you. He's like, I'm going to hit you right back. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I need y'all to develop this attitude. I want you to say out loud wherever you are in life, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you right back. Because that's really the energy you have to be on. And some people are thinking, well, you know, I'm just not naturally aggressive like that. You better get aggressive, okay? Because life is going to come for you. Somebody going to tell you something and you're going to be somebody going to tell you something about your kids. Somebody going to tell you something about your life, about the way you learn, about the way you feel, about the about your health. And you're going to have to face something that you don't want to hear in life. Something's going to happen to your car, to your house, to your bills, to your money. And you going to have to decide uh, how am I going to respond? Because if you decide that I don't have to respond and that is your blanket statement for everything, then you're going to be living life passively. So the first thing I want to say as far as a tip is think, how can I impact this? You hit me, how I'm going to hit you back. It ain't even about how hard am I going to hit you back? How am I going to hit you back in a way that's going to be most effective for me so that I don't have to be a victim in this situation? Let's let's say you go to the bank and they say, listen, you know, you want this loan, but we can't give it to you. We're not going to give it to you. Sorry. You know, whatever. I want you to understand that you don't want to just throw up your hands and say, well, life happened. Yes, life did happen. But now how are you going to respond? Because you didn't go to the bank because you love them so much. You you need money. Is there another way to get money? It's going to take time. OK, well, what you've said then is that. I just need more time. Is there a way to accelerate the time? Is there a way to circumvent the process where I can, you know, perhaps go to a different bank, maybe like a black owned bank, because they'll understand my situation Uh a little bit more. Maybe I can go to a uh, venture capitalist. Maybe the bank gave me a reason as to why they deny me and I can work on that reason there. How am I going to hit this thing back? So that's number one, how you got to stop that pity party and you got to get into how you got to get into response mode. The second thing to get out of the victim mindset is really just to watch other people who are living in ways that you want to live and you want to ask yourself, how did they get there? And here's what's here's what's important. It's not important necessarily. I mean, it is important, but it's not as important how they got there. It's more important that you ask <laughs> how they get there, because what you're doing is you're reconditioning your mind to think in terms of how instead of just these very solid. It is what it is. Because, I mean, there are certain things that are just static. It is what it is. There's nothing to be done about it. But a lot of things are not that. And you want to train. You want to um, you want to cultivate your mind to think in terms of how instead of that. And that's that's really the best way I can put it. It's not so much that it's how, because if I get the how, then I can get to the destination. 
instead of just being woeful about why I'm not at the destination or even being happy that I'm at the destination and not some other other destination because now I'm in peril, right? I'm in peril that I'm here and I'm happy I'm here, but I'm still in peril because if someone moves me or if the wind blows and knocks me off here, this, this pedestal, this place, I don't know how to get back. So the second thing, and this is, this is very important, but you know, these, these two things are very important. How, and it's important that you condition your mind to think on the how. The last thing I want to do in this episode is extrapolate a truth I kind of took from Michelle Obama's book. And I think this is especially um, helpful for the ladies. And my analytics show me that we actually have more ladies than us gentlemen listening. So I think this would be especially helpful for you all. And if it's not, just let me know. Carl, you way off. You was tripping. So anyway, I was reading Michelle Obama's book, Becoming Best book of 2020 that was i mean i read a a good amount of books that was the best one by far it was better than obama's book which i finished in 2021 it i mean it was amazing i can't recommend that book enough go check that out um but anyway that's the last like uh unpaid promotion i'll be making in this episode but uh she says in a book that her and obama went to counseling this is at a time when they were obviously married they were uh they had two they had the two kids uh molly and sasha and they were they were obviously very young because this was before he was the president. He was a state senator. And uh, as a function of his job, he would spend most of his time in the capital uh, of Illinois, which I can't remember. I think it's Springfield and not in like, you know, Chicago, which is where they were. So and they're, you know, a pretty good like a, a, they're pretty good distance um, driving from each other. So he would basically spend all his week in Springfield and only be home on the weekends. So not really an easy um, situation, I'm assuming, for Michelle, because, you know, one kid is is probably a lot. Two kids is probably a party and not in like the fun, you know, exciting way. So she had (laughs) two kids all week, most weeks. And apparently they went to therapy because, you know, she was feeling just kind of unhappy. And she told Barack, like, hey, I think we need some therapy because I don't think this is this is not exactly working in an optimal way for me. So let's go ahead and go. And so he agreed and they went and she went into the therapy session, she says in the book, fully expecting for the the therapist to tell her, I understand you're right, Obama, you got to do more to help her out. You're always on a road. This is what she fully expected. And this is not at all unrational because of all the reasons, you know, I just kind of went through And so she went there expecting to hear like, listen, you know, help help Michelle out. And she said she actually heard the opposite of what she was expecting. Not that the therapist didn't tell Barack anything, but um, she basically told Michelle. And this is the advice I'm giving. She said, I want you to know that you are responsible and not Barack for your happiness. Because Michelle came into these sessions and she was basically starting to talk about why she wasn't happy and how the marriage was causing her unhappiness because for example this was a real like life example she used in a book she didn't have time because she was taking care of the kids to go to the gym and do this and hang out and she said but Barack does like he even when he's home on the weekends he goes and you know we'll be chilling on a Saturday or we'll have breakfast on a Sunday and a couple hours later he's getting dressed and he's, you know, kind of, Hey honey, going to the gym. And she said, I guess she was making a point that, you know, that's not really fair to me because now I have to watch the kids. 
And what I believe happened is that the therapist asked her outrightly, did do you tell him that you want to go to the gym? Is is do you think that's going to increase your happiness? Well, yeah, it would. Do you tell him? And I believe her answer was no. And it was along the lines of he's going so I can't go. And this goes back to the example you used about the mall. Do you want to go to the mall? Not really, but I'm just not going to say that because you you didn't offer the movie. So I guess we're going to the mall. The therapist said, if you want to go to the gym, if you want to hang out with friends, and I'm kind of paraphrasing now, but she was like, do the things that make you happy. And it doesn't mean you don't have to negotiate those things, but make sure you do something because he is not responsible to come back from the gym now and make it all right that he just left you with the kids and now you're happy. You are responsible for telling him, hey, where are you going? You went to the gym? I would love to go to the gym. We need to get a babysitter. Oh, no, we can't get no babysitter because my mom out of town. Well, I mean, listen, you go to the gym. As soon as you get back, I'm going. Or I'm trying to go right now. Could you wait to go to the gym and go later? Or could you go tomorrow? Or maybe I'll go tomorrow. And, you know, it wasn't the therapist did not say all that I just said now about, you know, that detailed level of negotiation. But what the therapist was telling her is that you are responsible for your happiness. If you're not doing the things that make you happy, it is not his fault. It is your fault. And I hate to really say the word fault because fault is is a tricky word. It's not his responsibility it's your responsibility. And what it told me was that even in a marriage, you're still responsible. Maybe he could have asked like, hey, oh, you busy because I'm trying to go to the gym. But what she was trying to tell Michelle was he don't know if you want to hang out with friends or if you want to go to the gym or if you just, you know, you got to communicate that, you know, and that's your responsibility to do that. So to you all, to the ladies, to anyone who is thinking like this. It doesn't matter what relationship you're in. It doesn't matter what community you're a part of. It doesn't matter what you're involved in. You can never or you should never never rather outsource your responsibility to yourself. Whether that's health or happiness or downtime or time with friends. Don't wait until someone says, would you like to? Say, I would like to. And I think a lot of people think, well, that's 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 a little bit more blunt than I'd like to be. Then you're going to always be letting things happen to you in an unfair way to you. And the person who is perpetuating that unfairness, that imbalance, that injustice is no one else but you. And if you don't do it, it is not because someone is being threatening to you. You can't say, oh, well, you're intimidating like the servant tried to tell his Lord who who buried the talent. You decided that you didn't want to go through the trouble of doing it. And that's no one's fault. And so let's be responsible. The people who take responsibility are the people who take hold of what's important to them. To remix Miss Anna Russell. I'm happy now I have learned from the lessons that this is taught that everything I do that's wrong is no one else's fault but mine. I hope you had a valuable time listening to this podcast episode today, my brothers and sisters. 
I hope that you take this and you continue in the mindset, which is taking responsibility. We reject wholeheartedly the other stuff because it's nonsense and it's not worth our time. It's not going to see us be who we want to be and get to the place we want to get to. Also, God is not pleased with it. And if he ain't pleased, I'm not either for sure. So this is episode two in the Think series. Stay tuned for episode three. That's going to be our final episode. I'm very excited about that episode in which we're going to be talking about joy, gladness, happiness. Stay tuned for that episode next week. I'll see y'all next time. Thank you.